Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming at you with our week one Thursday night football preview featuring Cody's Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. Football is finally back, Cody. We are less than 24 hours away. Had to double check that real quick, but less than 24 hours away from kickoff of the NFL season. Pretty excited. Uh, I don't know if you have your plans down for the watch party. I'm sure you do, but uh, I cannot wait to uh, watch some football. Should be a good high scoring game as well. So uh, very excited on my end. How about you? Oh, I am pumped. Oh yeah, we got the we got the watch party set up. We got nine to ten people coming over tomorrow, bringing some oh nice some different food items, some different stuff. So oh yeah, cannot wait. It's going to be a great time. Uh, obviously, with the Chiefs being involved, makes it even better. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, I had all my last fantasy drafts over this weekend. I know you did as well, and now I'm just ready for tomorrow night. I'm ready to get this thing going and uh, see what this season has to hold for us. Absolutely, buddy. Me too. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of players going tomorrow night. Hopefully you guys do too. should be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think you want pieces of this game. We'll talk about that later. We're going to go over some news and notes, including a big injury in the game tomorrow night. We have a Beat the Wire segment where we'll give you a few guys that we think could be potential uh, Week 2 waiver wire candidates. We have our pick for the Thursday night game and our pick against the betting line as well. Should be a good one. Uh, Cody, you want to jump into the news and notes and hit that drop for me? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Have you heard the news? Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. All right, Cody, big news off the top. Uh, Your boy, Travis Kelsey. Piper extends his knee in practice yesterday, all of Chief Kingdom holding their breaths, but looks like he has avoided serious injury. Still actually questionable for tomorrow night. I figured they would rule him out today, uh, but I, I'm, I'm guessing he's not going to play tomorrow, but it looks like a bone bruise, and he should be good to go after uh, you know a week or two. I think there's you know some question whether he plays week two, but... Uh, it looks like you avoided major injury here. Uh, I think, um, you know, the big news is just tomorrow night. What, what is that? What is going to be the situation there? So how do you view this Kelsey situation? As a fan, I would say do not play him unless there's like 10% or less of re-injury risk. If there's anything that he can make it worse or anything like that, just keep him off the field. Um, you know, the chiefs are in the position where it's basically super bowl or bust for them. You know, they're not really looking to compete for, I mean, the AFC West at, you know, ten, you know, nine, ten wins if they're not going to be really good. So there's no reason to go put Kelsey out there if he is going to make this any worse. So I'm okay with holding him out. Obviously, for fantasy, it sucks. I mean, one guy in every league just lost their first-round pick for week one. That was supposed to start off their week really hot for them. So that sucks for fantasy players. Um, if you're listening to this and you have not already, definitely make new plans because I would – Highly doubt that he's going to be out there, and as a Chiefs fan, I highly hope that he is not out there unless there is no chance of re-injuring or making it worse. Yeah, we're actually going to go over some re- possible replacements for Kelsey when we do the Thursday Night Football preview, so we're not going to uh, repeat those names here. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the Chiefs should probably hold him out if there is any chance that he can re-injure that knee or aggravate it to any degree. It doesn't make too much sense for them to uh, rush him back when they obviously have aspirations beyond Week 1. But uh, I think as a fantasy owner, if he plays, you're playing him. I don't care if he's you know getting 20% of the snaps. 
uh, or what have you, there is no tight end you're going to be able to pick up off the wire that's anywhere near uh, as valuable as Kelsey. So if he plays, he's in your lineup, but definitely make alternate plans. Uh, like Cody said, I think there is a very high chance that he is held out of week one, but Looks like uh, the major bullet was dodged here, both by his fantasy owners and by the Chiefs. Seems like he, uh, you know, might miss, probably miss week one, maybe week two, and then he should be good to go after that. Uh, so yeah, good good news on the Kelsey injury after the uh, you know obviously you hear knee injury in practice and you hold your breath. A lot yeah. of times those can be much worse than this turned out to be for Travis Kelsey. Uh, Cooper Cup did not get as good of injury news. I don't think we actually mentioned this on our last show. He suffered a setback with his hamstring. This was over the weekend. Uh, so it's been a few days. He went to go see a body specialist. I've never heard that term before, but got a uh, apparently not a great report because Sean McVay in a practice conference today ruled him out of week one and did not rule out putting him on IR. Uh, this is tough news for cup owners. Obviously, drafts have pretty much already happened at this point. Uh, for if for some reason you're drafting after hearing this podcast, he's probably more like a third or fourth round pick. But you're most likely just, you know, your bet is made with Cooper Cup at this point. I think you are just hoping that the Rams hold him out and let him get back to 100%. But it definitely sucks. You have to make alternate plans for uh, week one for sure if you have Cooper Cup. Yep, this is a huge hit to cup owners. Um, obviously, if he goes on IR, at least you have an idea of what's going to happen. <clears throat> you know, he's going to be out the four weeks. If uh, he does not get put on IR, he's probably, you know, very, very questionable going into each of the next three to four games. And, I mean, it's Cooper Cup. You drafted him in the first round. If he's out there, you're going to play him. But you're still going to hold your breath a little bit because hamstrings are very easy to re-injure, and it'd be very easy for him to go out there tweak it just a little bit and just be put off, you know, on the sidelines the rest of the game. So not the season that you want or not the start to the season that you want as a Cooper Cup manager. Um, obviously, we'll also see where Matt Stafford is potentially in three or four weeks behind that offensive line. I mean, we may just end up seeing just a two year stretch from the Rams that are just completely pitiful with all these injuries and issues that they are continuing to have. Yeah, uh, not a great start to the year. We kind of uh, mentioned this you know, earlier in the offseason that this Rams team is pretty fat, fragile. They had a few stars at the top, and if any of them got hurt, this team could be a big trouble. Well, one of them is already hurt, and hopefully he can get back into action uh, during this first month of the year, but uh, it's not looking incredibly positive there. I think as a cup owner, you're hoping that the Rams really, you know, do not rush him back, and he comes back only when he is 100%. I would definitely make plans uh, for Cup being out a couple weeks here. I think Van Jefferson's probably the first guy I'd go look to pick up. If he ends up being the number one on this Rams offense, you can at least get some guaranteed volume. But uh, I don't think there is that. There's obviously not a one-for-one -one replacement on this offense for what Cup brings. So I think you are, you know, you're going to be piecing it together until he gets back. But hopefully your league uh, either has an IR spot and you can put him in there, or uh, again, the Rams do not rush him back because I think this is like, like you said, a very easy injury to re-aggravate. So. We'll continue to uh, monitor the cup situation, but he is definitely not playing week one as of now. And I'm going to run through uh, a few other injuries here uh, before we get to the other news. But uh, Jeff Wilson, actually, I wanted to mention this as well because we did not get to this on our last podcast. This was also late last week, but he was put on the pup list. He will miss at least the first four weeks, maybe more. Quotes were a little ominous from Mike McDaniel as far as uh, his availability moving forward. It was something to the effect of, we hope to have him back this season, which is not really what you want to hear. 
but his agent then came out and said he you know has a good chance to play week five. So who really knows? But anyway, Jeff Wilson will be out the first four weeks at the very least. I'd go ahead and uh, you know up your Raheem Mostert shares a little bit. Go ahead and pick up Salvin Ahmed or Devon A. Chain if they're out on your waiver wire. They could have value early in the year. Speaking of Devon A. Chain, he returned to practice from his shoulder injury. Status for week one, not clear, but good to see him back out on the field. A couple of tight ends beyond Travis Kelsey that are dealing with some injuries right now. George Kittle still not practicing with that groin injury. That is a little concerning. His status for week one is very much in doubt. So uh, two of the top five tight ends. We have not even played a week of NFL games yet, and both of them are looking very iffy for week one. Again, uh, make other plans if you have George Kittle as your starting tight end because uh, he is 50-50 at best at this point. I think he might even be a little less than that because he has not practiced since he injured that groin, I believe, two weeks ago. So uh, we need to get him back on the practice field before I believe he has a chance of playing. And Mark Andrews also, he returned to practice with, I believe it was a, they finally released what it was as a quad injury. So it looks like he is in line to play this weekend, but just keep an eye on him as well. Uh, any comments on the Kittle, Wilson, or Andrews injuries before I move on to the rest? Um, yeah, on Jeff Wilson, like from from my perspective right now, I have him in our mini dynasty league. He's on my IR spot. If any of my better players were to get injured in week one, I'd immediately cut him to move them to the IR. He's not a player that you feel like you have to hold at all. So if you're in the situation where you don't have an IR or you have another player like a Cooper Cup that you could rather just keep on IR, then you're, you're fine to move off of him. Uh, George Kittle was back at practice today, but I believe it was all non-contact and on the side. Okay. So I don't think that really gives you that much more hope. I mean, especially with a guy as physical as George Kittle, I would, I don't want to see him not get any work in the game or in practice and then get out on the field. That's re-injury all written all over it. And then, um, yeah, Mark Andrews, let's go. I mean, he's been a lot of people's favorite tight end to draft this season, so at least he is not starting uh, starting the season like these other tight ends and potentially missing week one. Yeah, still officially questionable, so definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, maybe go ahead and pick up Isaiah Likely if you have uh, an extra bench spot just in case, but looks like uh, Mark Andrews is going to play this week. Kittle, uh, very 50-50, and Travis Kelsey, I'd say probably more like 20-80 that he does not go, so... Just make other plans if you have either one of those guys. A couple of holdout notes here. Chris Jones continues his holdout. They play tomorrow night, obviously. Looks like he is at least going to miss week one, so we'll continue to monitor that. But that is pretty big for that Chiefs defense. And Nick Bosa, George Kittle's teammate, agreed to a five-year, $170 million extension. So his holdout is over. He will play week one most likely. Uh, That's good news for 49ers you know, defensive uh, 49ers defense holders or just 49ers fans in general. Uh, one of the two big holdouts has finally ended. Uh, Cody, how does it make you feel that your Chris Jones price tag just keeps going up as the days go on here? I don't think his price tag goes up. I think the Chiefs have already proven that they are willing to move off of pieces if it means, you know, if they can't get to a number that they're comfortable with. So, I don't think that's going to be the case because it's too late. It's too early, I guess, now we're too early in the season to trade a player like Chris Jones, especially if he wants that kind of contract. So I imagine they're going to get something worked out in the middle. I don't I don't know. I mean, uh, anything over two years, I'm already in the uncomfortable phase. I, I was talking to a lot of guys about this this weekend. The quickest way to ruin a prime quarterback's – or a really good quarterback's prime is – put a bad contract on the other side of the ball 
where he cannot help it out all. And then you just have to build that defense around. I'm not saying it would become a bad contract, but that is just in the cards if you sign sure. him to something that's three, four, five years long. So I, I don't really know because all of it's such speculation about Chris Jones is here, the Chiefs are here, you know, they can't come to terms on this. So I, I don't know. I, I If I'm Chris Jones, I think I'm probably just signing an offer that is going to make me one of the richest defensive linemen no matter what, either way. So – I don't know what's the point on missing the start of the season. That's kind of frustrating from a fan's perspective. But, yeah, I think – I don't think the Chiefs are necessarily going to budge and just start – and just give him the biggest contract for a defensive lineman. I think they're probably still going to try and find some way to meet in the middle of where they're at now. Yeah, I mean, if they come out and really struggle the first couple weeks of the year, it'll be interesting to see how much momentum, uh, you know, the other side of this negotiation gains. But uh, I guess it'll just be – we're just going to have to watch how this defense performs early on in the year. I think that's going to really swing the pendulum one way or another as far as the uh, Chiefs and Chris Jones are concerned, but uh, it doesn't seem like they have anything imminent right now. Uh, last couple notes here. Deion Jackson is going to officially start week one for the Colts. Looks like they'll be uh, relying pretty heavily on a committee, though, so I would be avoiding pretty much all of those options as far as starting them goes uh, for at least week one, hopefully we can you know get an idea of how that's going to work out. And then finally, the Cardinals have named their starter, or at least have named their likely starter, Josh Dobbs, the guy they traded for two weeks ago from the Cleveland Browns. That is going to be a tough situation. We're pretty much going to be avoiding all Arizona Cardinals if we can. Looks like that's all I have for news and notes. Cody, did you see anything else that you wanted me to mention? I don't think so. I think we nailed it. I also think that my shares of James Conner are going to keep me up at night because <laughs> Josh Jobs, as my as that quarterback, just does not give me the confidence that even a healthy Colt McCoy would have. So, I think that's probably rough. And then, yeah, let's get let's get JT back on the Colts ASAP because their entire backfield is just a headache right now. Um, and you're actually going to going to tell us we'll, why we should pick up one of these headaches yeah. here in our next segment. Yeah, we're so that's going a good to segment. mention them on, on Beat the Wire. Uh, before we jump to Beat the Wire, there was actually two more injuries I wanted to mention that I just saw before we got on here. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs both did not practice for the Packers today, both labeled with hamstring injuries. The Christian Watson one just popped up, so we're not really sure what the situation is there. Uh, going to have to monitor that later this week. We'll give you an update when we do our full week one preview on Christian Watson. But Romeo Dobbs, he's been dealing with that hamstring for a while. I uh, I don't know if you are if you're in a deeper league and you're looking to start Romeo Dobbs. I would go ahead and pivot at least for week one. Looks like the if the even if he plays, re-injury would be a pretty high there. Uh, as far as the hamstring is concerned, it's been bothering him for a while. But Christian Watson, we need more details on. Again, uh, potentially make other plans, though, because injury, you know, a hamstring injury popping up midweek is never a good thing. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to Beat the Wire, as Cody mentioned. So on, on these Thursday Night Football previews, we're going to go ahead and give you three guys each that we think uh, may be guys that are going to be hot commodities going into the Week 2 waiver wire session. And then, uh, you know, the, the just the next week's waiver wire session each week on our Thursday Night Football preview. I'll go ahead and kick it off with the Indianapolis running back, uh, Zach Moss. He will uh, most likely be coming back in either Week 2 or Week 3. He has been... Uh, at least pumped up by the coaching staff as the starter once he returns. This is most. Uh, this is more of a deeper league play. I'd say 12-plus teams is where you're looking for Zach Moss. Definitely a better play in half and non-PPR leagues as well, but he could be a guy getting 15 to 20 touches 
and that is always going to carry value in fantasy. Uh, you know, maybe a matchup dependent guy, but until Taylor returns, Moss could be getting a pretty heavy workload, and he is only rostered in 14% of sleeper leagues. So uh, you could get yourself a free starting running back uh, for you know the price of just a waiver acquisition here. Uh, even on a bad team, it still carries value in fantasy. Yep, absolutely. Um, I I think I'd still be a little bit concerned about the running backs in Indi- Indianapolis either way. But you know, when you get into week two, week three, and you have a big big running back injury already on your team, it's nice to have those plug and play guys. And Zach Moss will be that once he's back. So I don't think that the ceiling is super high. But if you just need someone to plug into your lineup on a given week, you can definitely do that with Zach Moss. Um, so yeah, I like that one quite a bit. I do want to preface, uh, cause we talked about it beforehand. All of these are going to be 20% or less rostered on sleeper. I think in following weeks, we'll maybe up, up that number a little bit, but since we are just coming off a of draft season, maybe these are just some names that slip through the draft that might be worth adding. If you know, you had to move a Jeff Wilson to an IR spot yeah. or something like that. So, Good point. Uh, my first guy here, Jake Ferguson tied in for the Dallas Cowboys currently rostered at 20% on sleeper. This one's just pretty low-hanging fruit. Um, if you're in any kind of fab league, you know, he's the number one tight end on the Cowboys. If he shows us anything this week, you know, has a couple of targets, a couple catches, 50 yards, and maybe gets in the end zone, he's getting snagged up immediately going into next week. So maybe get ahead of the curve there. If you're streaming tight end, if you're on the Dulcich train, maybe playing Higby or something like that, I think this guy might be worth adding to the end of your roster because otherwise, like I said, if he does – have any kind of a good performance this week, you're going to have to pay up to grab him going into week two and you can get him for free right now. So I would go snag him up if you're streaming the position. Yeah, I like this one a lot. This actually carries some season long value for me as well. Uh, Dak Prescott's always been a guy that has targeted his tight end pretty heavily. Whether that was a Kellen Moore thing or a Dak thing, we're going to find out this year. But uh, Dalton Schultz was not much of a commodity before he bursted onto the scene and became a pretty regular fantasy starting tight end for us. Jake Ferguson could be the next guy to do something similar there for Dallas. And also, if you are looking for a George Kittle replacement or a Travis Kelsey replacement and you are you know, in a deeper league that's pretty thin on the wire, Ferguson's a good guy to go look for. I heard this on a podcast earlier today, so I went back and actually looked up the stat, but In Dak Prescott's last four games against the Giants, his tight ends have gone for 334 yards and three touchdowns in four games. So Ferguson has a chance against a pretty juicy matchup to, uh, you know, receive some targets and he's not going to totally goose you, I don't think. And uh, like Cody said, he could actually have some, some, you know, season long play here. So I like that. uh, I like that call from you uh, quite a bit there on Jake Ferguson. My next pick a little bit uh, more of a high upside play here. Uh, that's a that's Sean Tucker running back from the Tampa Bay Bucks. He was actually named the number two running back ahead of Chase Edmonds behind Rashad White. He was an undrafted free agent this past uh, this past draft because of a heart condition. He had round two, round three talent coming into the uh, you know draft season, but then he fell all the way out of the draft because uh, doctors found this heart condition when he was you know going through his physicals and whatnot for uh, his draft prep. But uh, he is healthy right now. He is labeled as the number two running back. Uh, he you know his his uh his his scores and stuff from college as far as his production goes were really really good it was just the heart condition that pushed him out of the draft probably a longer term play i don't think he's going to come out in week 1 and you know completely dominate but if he comes out and shows that he's sharing the rock with Rashad White even a little bit i think he could end up overtaking him if Rashad White you know 
falters as badly as he did last year from an efficiency standpoint. So this is a guy that, you know, there's not a lot of guys that are running backs on the wire right now that you can say without an injury, they could be a starter in three or four weeks. This is a guy that legitimately could do that. Yep. 100%. I like that last point that you made. Um, Rashad White was very inefficient last year on the opportunities that he had. Part of that's probably due to the offensive line, which isn't going to be too much better this year. Absolutely. But, um, you know, if he's that inefficient again, there's no reason for them not to turn to the number two guy and just see if he has any more explosiveness. Um, so, yeah, I like this one quite a bit. Um, and like I said, we're already seeing something. We saw Rashad White last year not be very efficient with the football. And, again, if that is just the case, then especially a team as bad as them, they're not going to sit there on Rashad White when they maybe feel like Sean Tucker could be a better running back overall. So I like that one a lot. Uh, my next one may be actually a little bit similar. I got Puka Nakua, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, we already know that Cup is not playing this week, so that does uh, lean into it a little bit. But I think going into week one, if I was having, if I was being completely honest, if I had to pick up a Ram to play in a wide receiver spot, it would be Van Jefferson. Um, you know, Cooper Cup's had this injury now for a couple of weeks, so Van's already been kind of getting snagged up at the end of drafts anyway. Uh, but, you know, we've, he's been around for a few years now. We know what his ceiling is. It's kind of just a low-end flex option when Cup isn't around. So I just think that Puka Nakua it could come in, maybe he has a higher ceiling. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he has a lower floor and you have to cut him next week. But like the same thing as to all these picks, or same, I guess, as Jake Ferguson. If Nakua comes out this week and outperforms Van Jefferson and looks better than him, you're going to be paying up relatively big on the wave of wire for him. Um, because even when Cooper Cup is back, they are still going to need a good second pass catching option on that offense. So, again, he's a late round draft guy. I'm not calling for the Puka Nakua breakout, but you know, if you're rostering some of the very low end players or maybe, you know, a second low-end tight end for any reason on your roster right now. This is a guy you could add that may have some higher upside later on into the season. And if Cooper Cup has any kind of an extended injury or gets placed on IR, Puka Nakua could be a guy that, you know, has a good three, four weeks to start the season for you. Yeah, Nakua kind of reminds me of Tucker just from the wide receiver position. You know, a late-round guy. Uh, he's 9% rostered on sleeper. Tucker's 8.7, but he has an opportunity here to earn a pretty hefty target share without any injuries. And he's relative unknown to, you know, the casual football fan. But uh, again, somebody that's going to get a lot of snaps most likely on the field and has a chance to overtake a Van Jefferson, who, uh, as Cody mentioned, is a solid player, but probably doesn't have the uh, the stones to be a, a, a true number one wide receiver in the NFL. Not that Nakua necessarily does either, but we, you know, he has more unknowns, so he could have a higher upside that we haven't seen on the field yet. Uh, definitely somebody that could come out surprised with seven or eight targets and will be picked up in a lot of leagues. So if you're in a deeper league and you have some openings on your roster, go ahead and snag him. My last play is also from the wide receiver position. Somebody I feel like that gets pretty much completely forgotten about on this Minnesota offense with the arrival of Jordan Addison, but that's KJ Osborne. I think he's going to play a little more than most expect early in the season. He filled in really admirably when Adam Thielen missed games last year. Uh, you know, when he was 80 or 90% snap share, he was a very playable asset, uh, mostly deeper leagues, but still at this Minnesota offense is as pass heavy as we expect it to be. And he ends up starting out of the gate over Jordan Addison. Uh, you know, I think that's very plausible considering uh, that the, you know, the rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson spent two weeks behind, 
uh, you know, the likes of, I don't even know who the starting wide receiver on Minnesota at that point was. It might have been KJ Osborne, but, uh, you know, the, these rookies sometimes take a little bit to get going. I think Osborne could have some uh, early value uh, that we just don't necessarily expect. Only 19% rostered on sleepers. So uh, I think this could be a guy people are going out to uh, to get after week one. Yeah, and I will I will honestly say there's probably way too many people that are going to be playing Jordan Addison in week one. It's risky. Uh, just expecting him to come mm-hmm. out and and perform, you know, just based off of draft type pretty much. So yeah, I think we've we've actually said on this podcast before that Osborne's a good late round draft pick. And I mean I at twenty percent, yeah, he's a good addition now because um I mean really I think Olave maybe had a good start to the season in the first couple of weeks. But besides him, I think Garrett Wilson's breakout was like in week four. Um I don't know why I'm blanking on the other rookies, but they, they none of them really had a great week one, two, or three. You know, it takes a little bit to get used to the system yeah. and into that offense. So yeah, KJ Osborne as a deep flex play, or just get it, add him onto your bench and you know see what he can do. I like honestly, it's both are extremely risky, but you could consider Osborne over Addison until Addison proves something. Like we know Osborne can get open in the NFL and play NFL football, exactly. whereas we've never seen him from Jordan Addison before. Yeah, so. would not. I like that one quite a bit. Would not shock me at all if, if Osborne is running ahead of Addison for the first month of the season. So just make sure you consider that possibility. Absolutely. And then my last guy, I'm not. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not the highest on this pick. Um, I just saw Chief's you kept all three of your guys under twenty percent, and so <laughs> I tried to find a guy under twenty percent as well. So my third guy is McCole Hardman, wide receiver for the New York Jets. He's ten percent rostered on sleeper. Um, basically, the reason why I went with him, you got Alan Lazard already injured again, which happens multiple times every single year. Randall Cobb is old. Older than he already was Very. last year when he was old. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> these us, he is still around. And um, there's just a chance that McColl can become the second pass catching option. I, I think he's going to be inconsistent at best. So I don't think this is maybe your your best season long option. But as a worst case plug and play in a super deep flex league, I think he could get something done for you. We saw a lot of a lot of them in the jet or the Chiefs offense. Um, a lot of end arounds, a lot of kind of quick screen plays. Let him work with the ball in his hands. So uh, we know he's obviously very talented. But again, I, I wouldn't go drop you know a good player or a, a bench eligible player for McCole Hardman. I think it's just if you have a rough looking bench or again you're in one of those. Pre- one of those people that drafts two kickers or two defenses or something like that, and you found your way to this podcast, stop doing that. Cut the extra defense or kicker and go get yourself a McColl Hardman, a Puka Nakua, yeah. a KJ Osborne, anything like that. So, um, Nick, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on McColl Hardman. Again, I know I'm not extremely high on my own pick, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a pretty good call. I mean, the, the Jets' offensive line being an issue might lead to some more quick passes, and there really isn't a like you said a solidified number two here at all. Uh, with the Jets, Corey Davis retired, Alan Lazard banged up, Randall Cobb, probably not somebody that's going to be you know, a 50, 60 plus percent snap guy. He's probably going to be more of a situational type of play uh, for NFL purposes. But, uh, you know, Hardman could earn himself a, you know, a decent sized role in this Jets offense with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. I think there is room for at least two pass catchers to be fantasy relevant. Hardman could easily be the second one. Like you said, 10% rostered on sleeper. He's probably available. Go ahead and pick him up, uh, and you know if he comes out and gets one or two targets, 
you can punt him back to the wire and go pick up somebody else that had an interesting role in week one. So uh, easy guy to kind of just see how he works out. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and jump over to the Thursday night football preview. We are going to start out with our best bets for Thursday night. We'll start out by just picking the game on the line, and then each of us have one best bet. Uh, mine, I don't think Cody is going to love too much. But my pick for the game, the line is Detroit plus four and a half. It's moved all the way down from six and a half before the Kelsey news. So uh, Vegas is telling you they do not expect Kelsey to play this game. I think that's another reason to go ahead and just make alternate plans. Over-unders 52 and a half. That also dropped two points. Surprised me a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Lions in the points, and I will take over 52 and a half. I was on the Lions before the Kelsey news. I'll stay on them after it. I think uh, their style of ball plays well against the Chiefs, especially with no Chris Jones. I think they can uh, you know, grind this game out. Turn uh, turn the possessions down a little bit, but uh, I still think that both these offenses are going to just play really well uh, off the jump here. The Lions' defense obviously struggled a lot last year, especially in the secondary, uh, where you know obviously Mahomes is going to be able to expose them. But uh, I believe the Lions can keep this close, and I believe it's going to be a high-scoring game. So I'll take Lions plus four and a half and the over at fifty-two and a half. Yeah, I think we're going to have a little bit of a differing opinion here. Uh, first, I'm going to wait till game time because if I can get KC to slip any more once Travis Kelsey is officially right. ruled out. Yep. Yeah, if you if you are contemplating taking the KC side, just do it at game time because it's not going to go it's not going to go above a number you're going to be uncomfortable with and you might get it at a number that you feel really good about. So, I would say anything 3 and a half and under with no Kelsey, I, I would snag up on the Chiefs side and then if it's plus four and a half where it's at now and doesn't move with the Kelsey news, then I'd probably jump on uh, Detroit side. Um, again, I know one point it's kind of even hard to explain the difference there. I guess it's just the way it looks looks yeah. to my eyes and to my heart. So I just if it goes above that number four, I for some reason just don't like it as much. But um, and then for me, I I mean I was pretty big on this last year. I'm going to keep going going back to riding the prime time unders. I uh, did want to just share. Last year, unders went at uh, 61% of primetime games. And then since 2018, the worst primetime games have gone in a season is uh, 49%. So it just if I'm going to if I'm going to stick on a side, it's going to be just betting the primetime unders and trying to hit that, you know, 55, 56% to where betting becomes profitable and just stick to that one side. So we'll probably hear this pretty often on these uh, Thursday night football previews, but I am going to snag the under 53. The way I can see that working out is it's the first game of the NFL season. Teams can be a little rusty. Obviously no, no uh, Kelsey on the chief side could make that offense a little bit, uh, you know, more difficult to manage. You know, we may not have as many scrambling big plays like Kelsey provides us, you know, on a weekly basis, and then on Detroit's side, you know, I, as much as I have hyped up and basically been rooting for Detroit all offseason and drafting their players everywhere I can, um, you know, it's still it's still week one. You know, the Chiefs defense with no Chris Jones is not as scary as it is, but they still have good young defensive players. Obviously, if they had Jones, it'd be a much easier under for me, but a much easier argument on the under at least, but still a good good other defensive players. And like I said, I'm just going to ride with the statistics and see if it works out again for another year. 
Yeah, I don't have a strong lean. I don't think if we, you know, we're doing this game or if this game was on the Sunday slate, I don't think it would make it onto my best bets uh, segment or my top three. So I don't have a strong lean on Detroit uh, plus four and a half or the over at 52 and a half. I liked it a lot more at six and a half. I was going to recommend buying up that half point and taking the touchdown in the Lions. But since that's not the case anymore, uh, I think, you know, I would play Detroit if I'm playing it, but I might stay away from the uh, from the lines and the over-under in this game and just head straight for Detroit money line. I'm going to segue that into my best bet. Detroit money line at plus 195, uh, basically two to one odds here. I think they have a very good shot to win this game with uh, the Chiefs missing two of their three best players. I think, again, this game means a lot more to them than it will to the Chiefs. Uh, you know, just being able to make a statement on the first night of the year, the Chiefs lose this game. I don't think it hurts them at all. They're still going to be fine long term. They're going to get Kelsey back. They're going to sign Jones at some point. So not going to hurt them moving forward. But for Detroit, this could be a, uh, you know, a very big heart game from a Dan Campbell-led team. So I'll take them at two to one odds. I think they have a better shot than that to win this one. Yeah, like I said, no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey. I mean, that is, you know, if you took Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup away from the Rams, I think you're saying a lot of teams could beat them. Not saying that you should compare Matthew Stafford to Patrick Mahomes, but just putting it into perspective as like, it's a fair you're point. losing your best offensive weapon, you're losing your best defensive player. Like, it's going to be a big freaking deal. So, yeah, I mean, obviously as a fan, that is the worst bet I think you could come up with as your best bet. <laughs> but um, as as a gambler, I can understand, I can understand where you're coming from there. Uh, mine, I am going to go with an anytime touchdown for my best bet for this Thursday night, and that's a Sky Moore anytime touchdown. You can double your money, uh, get it at two to one right now, plus two hundred odds. And um, basically, what it comes down to is someone's going to have to catch some patch- passes from uh, Patrick Mahomes. I believe Kelsey was averaging between ten to twelve targets a game last year from Mahomes. So, especially you know when you have those open up, especially in the red zone, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for guys. Sky Moore is a guy that should have that opportunity in front of them. You'd like to see a year two breakout, but you know, I think the reason why I have this is if Sky Moore is going to be very relevant in the chiefs offense, I think it's going to have to start from week one, especially now that Kelsey is out. So if Moore goes out there, he's not involved in the offense, doesn't get the touchdown obviously. And then, you know, stumbles the rest of the way. I think that's going to be pretty indicative of a season, but I see it going the other way. I see him being involved and I see him getting a touchdown this Thursday night. Yeah, I think if you want to lock this bet in, you should do it now before Kelsey is ruled out because I believe the anytime TDs on basically all of the auxiliary players will head uh, towards plus 100 or at least a little closer to it. So I like the call, but I would go ahead and lock it in as soon as you can because as soon as Kelsey is ruled out, everybody else's odds will uh, you know decrease just a bit. I'd like to see what Noah Gray's odds are right now. I think those would be that would be an interesting play as well. He would be the starting tight end in the absence of Travis Kelsey. So uh, both of those guys, I think, would be good calls uh, before he's ruled out of the game, which we expect to be the case. But let's go ahead and head to the actual game preview, our first game preview of the year, Cody. Let's go. I'm excited. Oh, NFL football, boys and girls. It's Mike. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Chiefs are favored by four and a half points. Over under is 52 and a half. We, as always, will start on the away team side, move over to the home side. And for every game preview, we will go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end uh, on both teams. So let's go ahead and start with quarterback on Detroit. That's Jared Goff. I think he's a fine starter in 12-plus team leagues this week. As we said, this is going to be a high-scoring game. So uh, it's 
he should be a fine play, especially in super flex leagues. But I think with no buys and no injuries, you can probably do better in 12 or under team leagues. Uh, but, you know, I guess if you have to throw golf in there, I don't completely hate it. I just think his ceiling is a little capped. Yep, I don't I don't hate it because it is against the Chiefs and it should be a high scoring affair, which has been right where you want to play Jared Goff, yeah. especially in Kansas City when it's still warm out, which we've all know Jared Goff isn't the best cold weather quarterback. Yeah. So if you're streaming the position and he was the one you drafted late in your draft, I think this is an okay matchup. But like Nick said, there are for the majority of players, you probably have already had a better option on your team. Don't make any brash moves to go get Jared Goff, but he's a fine plug and play option this week. The running backs for Detroit, I like them both. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, obviously, uh, you drafted him in the third round. It uh, will be interesting to see what his role is. I'm kind of curious. Uh, the Detroit Lions beat writers have been a little uh, – they've just been kind of pushing the narrative that this isn't going to be exactly what we expect. So I wouldn't expect to see Gibbs on all of the passing downs and working into the run game and then David Montgomery handing all the rushing work, kind of how it worked with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift last year. I would expect it to be more of just a – 50-50 split type of situation where Gibbs is going to get a drive, Montgomery is going to get a drive, and vice versa. But uh, either way, you're playing Gibbs for sure. And then David Montgomery, I'd say a low-end RB2, maybe just slightly below Gibbs, but I like him in this high-scoring atmosphere as well. I would prefer to see the usage first, especially for Montgomery, but I'm okay playing both of them. Yeah, there, there was a report that came out that said Gibbs on um, he could be playing slot receiver on some downs as well, where that. him and Montgomery are out there at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> all Get of both Gibbs of their snap shares up, please. Now, I, I love it as a Montgomery owner yeah. because that means he can be on the field yeah. as well. So that would be fantastic. Absolutely. So I'm okay with playing Montgomery in non-PPR for sure. Obviously, you'd like to see his usage, but... You know, a non-PPR that just limits your options that you have. And if he if he gets in the end zone, he's basically worth playing at that point. So don't mind him there. And then at half and full PPR, it would definitely depend on some options. I have some options here for us. Let's, Nick, let's discuss these real quick. Uh, David Montgomery or Drake London in week one? Ooh, that's a pretty good one. I think this is my closest out of the ones I see here on your list that we'll get to after Drake London. I, would, I think I would still lean Monty. Uh, again, I want to see this Atlanta offense and just kind of see if they've made any adjustments to uh, their overall passing philosophy, which last year was basically not to do it. So uh, I would hope, I think Monty has a little bit of a, a higher floor. If you're looking for a complete ceiling play, you can go London, but I would take Monty here. Gotcha. Then we got Jamal Williams against the Tennessee Titans or David Montgomery. I think Montgomery and Williams are pretty similar as far as their profile goes. Williams might get a little more work since he's kind of the only guy there right now in New Orleans, but he also has a tougher matchup uh, and is the slightly worse player from a talent perspective and uh, also has the worst offensive line. So I'll go Montgomery, although that one's pretty close. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The last one, Khalil Herbert against the Green Bay Packers or David Montgomery. Herbert profiles like the London of the running back position here where I think the floor is much lower because you don't know how they're going to deploy those three backs in Chicago, um, but also has higher upside just because he's a little bit more explosive and could just be the lead guy on the offense there. So I'll go Montgomery uh, for most people, but I think it's just roster construction based. If you are going up against a really good team in week one, you think you need a high upside play, go Herbert. Uh, otherwise, I think Montgomery is definitely safer and would be the better bet to score a touchdown. 
I, I love what you just said there. So I'm going to reiterate it before we move on. All of these that we're going, you know, pick, play this guy over this guy or this guy over that guy, it all comes down to your matchup and your roster that you have. If you're playing a guy who has the best roster in your league by quite a bit, you're going to need that upside play to beat them. And if you're playing a team that's on the, you know, on the brink of basically being eliminated, maybe not a good roster, you could probably play the safer play and just get the points that you need. So. Don't uh don't take what we say to heart completely. Always look at your matchup and your roster and determine what is going to be the best option for you. Uh, but when it comes to these three options, I do agree with Nick. I think Montgomery's probably uh, safer than London and Herbert, while London and Herbert have a higher ceiling. And then I just threw Jamal Williams in here because I think they're basically the same player right now in both of their offenses. You said Williams may get a little bit more work just due to necessity, but tougher matchup. So, yeah, I like what you said there. You rank those four for me real quick, Montgomery, London, Jamal Williams, and Herbert. Yeah, so I was with you. I would play Montgomery first. Um, I think I'd go Khalil Herbert second, Drake London third, Jamal Williams fourth. Sounds um, good. And I I pulled all these guys basically right from the same area yeah, of uh, they're, they're close. rankings from Fantasy Pros, so they're all just splitting hairs between each other. Um, so when I say Jamal Williams fourth, I'm not saying don't play Jamal Williams. I'm playing him in a couple different leagues. I think he's going to be fine for the first couple of weeks. Moving over to the wide receiver position for the Detroit Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown is in your lineup. Uh, I think Josh Reynolds is probably the only other guy that could be somewhat fantasy relevant here. Maybe you want to throw him in some DFS lineups. I don't think I would have the stones to recommend him in any sort of redraft situation, but he could be one of those guys I think that finds himself onto the week two uh, waiver wire column. Although I don't know if he's, I think he's just, he, Josh Reynolds just seems to always be one of those guys that will be useful for a couple weeks. Then you drop him and you pick him up in a good matchup. Then you drop him. And uh, I think that's just going to be the kind of the story of his career from a production standpoint. But if you have any DFS lineups, I think he's an interesting play because they should throw the ball quite a bit in this one. On the tight end side, Sam Laporta, a good stash candidate, but I'm not doing it in week one. He's a rookie tight end. I need to see the usage first. He is a wait and see uh, for sure, if you have the stones to you know replace Travis Kelsey with Sam Laporta, just know you are risking basically a complete zero if he doesn't have the role we expect. Yep, I 100% agree with you there. I don't have anything else to add about the rest of the Lions' options. Let's move over to the Chiefs' side. The quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, is definitely in your lineup. In the running back room, we have an interesting discussion, I think, here between Pacheco and McKinnon. I think both are in the flex play category. Jarek McKinnon becomes a little more interesting with no Kelsey. I think basically, you know, all of the auxiliary pass catchers get a slight bump up, but maybe McKinnon even more so because he kind of fulfills that short area, you know, what you'd call like a safety blanket type of role that Travis Kelsey would, uh, you know, would fulfill. So he might get a few extra targets because of that. Uh, who would you rather play here out of Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco? Yeah, uh, if Kelsey is not gone, I think I'd rather I'd have more confidence in Jarek McKinnon, especially obviously in half and yeah. full PPR leagues, leagues um, and non PPR to check out no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but any kind of uh, any kind of league where you're getting a point per reception or half point per reception, I I really like McKinnon. I mean, we saw last year how involved he was in the offense, and that was with Travis Kelsey being around. Not that I'd expect him for the rest of the season to be that involved, of course, but. When you take out, you know, the best offensive piece, there, there's going to be some other guys that are going to have to step up. And, um, you know, I think McKinnon's one of them. Like you said, short, short passing opportunities. I think they're going to be his all day long. So I think he's a home run play, actually, this week. I think I'm going to go back and look. I don't think I drafted too much McKinnon, but he would be getting into a lot of my rosters going into week one. 
Um, and actually, this is actually a really good point because we did mention both these guys are flex players. It's a new season, new season reminder. Put the players that you're playing in their positional yes. slots. Yes. Do not keep them in your flex spots. Make sure you keep up that flexibility because you never know when a Travis Kelsey is going to hurt exactly. his knee on a Friday, two days before a game. And then you're screwed because you got someone else locked in that flex. So, um, but again, so I'm saying play McKinnon at the running back position, but he's basically a flex level player. I like him over Pacheco. I'm done rambling. Nick, what do you think of these two guys? Yeah, I, I actually like McKinnon in all formats, which might be slightly controversial, but Pacheco, it's worth noting, has a pretty tough matchup here from my eyes. Uh, the Detroit Lions, if you look at the full season totals, uh, it doesn't really tell you the whole story, but the last eight weeks of the year, they had a really excellent rushing defense. I believe the stat that I heard earlier today was that there was only three running backs that were able to score 10 plus PPR points uh, against the Lions in the last eight weeks of the year, uh, which is a pretty hefty sample size and a pretty impressive stat. 10 PPR points, not a huge bar to clear for running backs. So uh, the straight up, uh, you know, running back here, Isaiah Pacheco having to go mostly, you know, through the tackles uh, to do his work might find himself, you know, having a bit of a tough run here, whereas McKinnon can kind of, uh, you know, he can pick up catches on the edge. He's not going to play running back in the traditional sense. I think uh, he can make his bones in the red zone as well. Uh, the Chiefs were very apt to deploy him in the red zone, especially at the end of last year. So I think he could be a, uh, a very big benefactor of Kelsey's absence. Pacheco, just a tough matchup for him this week. I think uh, Pacheco going to be a somewhat matchup dependent guy throughout the year because we just kind of know what his role is. It's pretty solidified. Uh, I would lean McKinnon here for sure. Yep. I, I, before we go to wide receivers, I want to point out one other thing on that stat you threw out there. The three running backs that scored 10 or more PPR points the last eight weeks, I'm pretty sure the Carolina Panthers had two of, had two yep. of those guys. Sure did. Deontay uh, Foreman and Chuba Hubbard yep. in the same week because it was the week that we were like, there's no way you could play a Carolina Panthers running <laughs> and, back against this Detroit Lions defense. Yeah. And they were just tearing I think them they, up all day long. Yeah, they broke their franchise record for rushing yards or something. Yeah, football is weird. So yeah. I know Pacheco's about to go for 150 and two, but on paper, the matchup is pretty tough for him and not as much for McKinnon. For sure. So uh, yeah, with, with the... With the additional bump, with the uh, the lack of Kelsey being there, I think McKinnon is our preferred play here. In the wide receiver room, uh, this becomes a little bit more of an interesting discussion, obviously, with no Kelsey. I think Sky Moore is also in that flex conversation. Would you rather play Moore or uh, Isaiah Pacheco in a half PBR? I would rather play Sky Moore, but okay. I'm pretty high on Sky Moore just overall as we start the season with no Travis Kelsey. So I think I would go more as well. I would be nervous. This That would be another situation where roster construction would matter quite a bit. I think Pacheco definitely has a much yeah. higher ceiling. He's going to touch the ball. Uh, you know, a guaranteed number of times, whereas Sky Moore, we just don't know what his role is going to be yet. But uh, especially with no Kelsey, he should have a pretty high ceiling. Anybody else in this wide receiver room that interests you in week one or moving forward? Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out there just for the listeners, really. I mean, this is a very – we're not very high as a podcast on Kadarius Noni Tony, so um, I would not really recommend starting him to a lot of players. But since Travis Kelsey is out, again, just all these ancillary pieces just get a little bit more yeah. – um, a little bit more run here, but just wanted to throw out there, he has the best odds behind right now Kelsey and Pacheco for an anytime touchdown. So if you – do want to you know be risky and put him out there? I think he is you know a flex level consideration. I probably wouldn't do it. I would I would have to wait and see. And make sure that he is healthy and not going to re aggravate anything going on with his knee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest concern. And then Rashi Rice, if you drafted him, 
you're going to have to hold him this week. If you, if you have to play him in a roster, then you did not draft the best team because you should not be playing. <laughs> you should not be playing Rashi Rice in week one here, even with no Kelsey. Yeah, I think in DFS, obviously, uh, you can take your shot on one of these guys uh, and hope you know the, the touchdown pays off. You're most likely going to be playing a single game DFS situation uh, on Thursday night, so you don't have many options. But I think pretty much all of these guys beyond Sky Moore, who were somewhat interested in playing in the flex, I really just want to see how they're deployed. I want to see if there is you know a, a full-time receiver in the bunch uh, beyond Valdez-Scantling, because uh, we just kind of know what Valdez-Scantling is. But if there is a guy that is playing 70 or 80% of the snaps, or if they're just rotating them all in and out, which is kind of what we expect, I think. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, again, there is some clarity. So there is actually somebody we could recommend week to week. But I believe it is going to be a bit of a wide receiver by committee approach as they employed last year. Uh, so slight bump up for these guys, but it's hard to recommend I, any one of them particularly for week one, because it's just probably going to be a little bit of all of them, uh, in the tight end room, for sure. Noah Gray would be the guy. If there is no Kelsey, as we expect, uh, would you have the stones to replace Travis Kelsey with Noah Gray in this matchup? Yeah, it, it obviously depends on what, what options you have out there. Um, but I mean, I would say it's scary because Noah Gray's floor could be zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if there's no Kelsey, I'd imagine he gets a, a couple of targets just from tight end designed routes, but there's a chance that he does not, you know. So that's that's a little bit scary for your first game of the season. Um, but I'm actually going to get rid of this first name here on this little list. I got a third another name I'm going to throw at you. So sure. Going into week one, would you play Noah Gray or Dalton Schultz from Houston? I'll take Dalton Schultz. Uh, that one's pretty close, though. I think I I think I would move Gray into my top 15 tight end, so he'd be heavily in consideration, especially in a deeper league, if Kelsey was out and you had to go replace him off the wire. But Schultz is high enough on the pecking order. I think I would still lean that way uh, over Gray. Gotcha. And then two other guys that – well, one of them probably got drafted at the end, and then the other one's lowly rostered. But Gerald Everett or Jake Ferguson, would you consider playing Noah Gray over both of those guys? So I think I'm going to go both of them over Noah Gray again. I think they just find themselves slightly higher on the streaming category for me. I actually like both of these players. Again, we mentioned that, one, Dak Prescott likes throwing to his tight end, and the Giants are a good matchup. So Ferguson, we uh, think, is a solid streamer. And then Gerald Everett benefits from the Kellen Moore offense that Dak threw a lot to the tight end in and plays in a game with a high over-under against the Miami Dolphins. So I think he has a better shot, maybe not a better shot to score a touchdown than Noah Gray, but should have a higher floor as far as targets are concerned as well. So I would go both Everett and Ferguson over Gray. But I think there is a point where we breach some names that you'd legitimately be considering that I would choose Gray over. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's kind of, as I was looking at waiver wires, you know, like Everett and Ferguson are kind of like the top two that I see in multiple leagues. So just curious. I saw you had uh, Dulcich on there. I was going to go gray over Dulcich. So over Dulcich. Oh, wow. So the reason being uh, that, that Adam Troutman business just scares me a little bit. I believe Dulcich's floor is just a little bit lower than these other guys because we know Gerald Everett's a starter. We know Dalton Schultz is a starter. If Dulcich is legitimately a bit player, is the number two tight end or just brought in in passing situations, he could have a pretty low target floor. So I think Gray would have a much better chance to score a touchdown in that situation, and I'd probably lean that way in week one before I know exactly how they're going to deploy Dulcich in Denver. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go ahead and uh, recap something we talked about earlier. So do you have anything else on Noah Gray or any of the Chiefs options? No. Okay. Take it away. So this is about the Chiefs, so we'll just put it away here. Uh, Noah Gray plus 210 anytime touchdown as I look at draft like games it. right now. Sky Moore plus 190. So already came down a little bit from the number that I gave out. Yeah. I uh, made these notes during Only lunch Only going to keep today. coming down. And then Kadarius Tony also went down a um, – 10 of a unit, a 10th of a unit, and he's down to plus 160. Wow. So uh, Vegas is already leaning towards, it seems like the bets are leaning towards Kelsey, obviously not playing. Uh, but, you know, I think, yeah, with the, with the odds of Noah Gray, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Tony, I think you can play those guys, um, you know, in, in their situations. Again, Tony, I don't want to say I recommend, but those touchdown odds just – Tell you that Vegas likes him maybe a little bit more than the fan TC pod does. Yeah, I, Vegas doesn't lose money very often. So <laughs> I was going to I was going to ask you, does that change your opinion on Tony versus Sky more at all? The fact that Vegas is telling us they expect Tony has has a better chance to score a touchdown than Sky Moore, or is just the risk factor of Tony's either re injury or you know just injury status in general, the, the biggest factor that, that is that the reason that you are off of him? Not necessarily the, uh, you know, the chance that he has a big game. Yeah. 100%. Kadarius Tony, I could see in the first quarter him having to get taken off, not taken off the field, but walking off the field, having to get checked out for some kind of injury. I mean, it's just, I, I understand the people who just really like Kadarius Tony based on what he does when he's on the field, yeah. but the percentage of the time that he's on the field isn't high enough for me to really want to trust him. You know, it's early enough in the season. If you want to take the shot on the high play, you know, you're going up against a tough matchup. I think he's fine, but I just think Sky Moore is just generally going to be more involved in the offense. And I don't feel like I'm needing a touchdown from him to, you know, make the week. Whereas I think Tony may be a guy that gets like two to three targets, one to two catches and needs that touchdown to be fantasy relevant. So Obviously, we'll all see how it unfolds. Vegas is also telling you, hey, we like Kadarius Tony still to get in that end zone. So, I, as like I said, it's tough to go against Vegas when Vegas wins all the time. But I, I just do not enjoy putting players out there on the field that just constantly get, get hurt. Like, he is a guy, like I said, I don't like using the word injury prone for a lot of things. He, he is, is legitimately, yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, he 100% is. So, I'd still go Sky more for that reason, but... Like I said, Vegas Vegas always knows something that's happening. So if you if you got Kadarius Tony and want to play him, I can't say that I hate that idea. Yeah, I think we've already we've belabored this point already, but I, I just want to make it again. It's that you know if you are if you're looking for super high upside, I think Tony probably offers more of that than Sky Moore, but Sky Moore also has a much higher floor. I think uh, there's not a ton of si- uh, situations where I see you know the Chiefs not having Kelsey and Sky Moore going for one catch for eight yards. I think uh, I could easily see that happening if Kadarius Tony either reaggravates the knee or they're just using him in a bit role uh, as they bring him back uh, from his, you know, previous injury. Yep. 100%. All right, Nick, anything else you want to throw out there for Thursday night? Hell no, but I'm super pumped. Let's get some football rolling. Uh, next time we talk to you, there will have been NFL football kicked off legitimately. Week one is here, boys and girls. I uh, can't, can't wait. I'm super excited. Yep, I cannot wait either. And Nick might be doing the podcast solo if the Chiefs lose and tomorrow. You are, and Cody's Chiefs will be 0-1 next time we talk to you as well. So I will cash nice, my money line on the Detroit full, Lions. A full week one preview of every single matchup just from Nick McDonald. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm I will. Calling out I will be here with bells on, boys and girls. Don't you worry. Yeah.
<laughs> oh yeah, I bet. All right, peace out, everybody. We'll be, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, Friday, with the matchups for the week. Saturday with the best bets episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss anything. Peace out.